Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. My wife told me this is the longest it's ever taken me to read a book. And she's just not talking about this show either. She's talking about just overall. This is the longest it's taken me to read a book from cover to cover when I tell you. When I tell you, and I just got a little bit emotional right there, I just got caught up. Y'all hear it in my voice. When I tell you this book has fucked up my streak, I mean it. I can read a book in a day. I, I, I read a book a day for fun. This book is not fun. I am currently reading sociology books that are more interesting than this book. But this book is a study. That's for damn sure. The 90s were a shitty time for writers to be writing about young people. The 80s was a shitty time to be a young lady. Golly, like everybody's exploiting everybody in this book. But I'm almost done. I, I can see the light. Destiny. It was my destiny. Now I see. That's a regional song. Y'all know nothing about that. Early on a Saturday morning, Tracy headed for Chelton Avenue. I mean, I don't know shit about the area that he's talking about in this book. It's only fair. Tracy headed for Chelton Avenue to catch the bus to the Broad Street subway. She was decked out in white Gloria Vanderbilt jeans and a turquoise silk shirt, carrying her black leather coach bag. She was on her way downtown for her fourth week of work at Jeans and Shirts. That is the most generic name for a store. I wonder if that's a real store. I might be talking about somebody. I don't mean to just have people catching strays out here. Jeans and Shirts. Hey, I'm going to call my place Brisket and Ribs. What do you serve there, chicken? It had rained the night before, so the pavement was still damp and a chilly wind blew through her asymmetric hairdo. She had done away with the baby dreadlocks, reverting back to the honey blonde-tipped asymmetric look, donning her triangular-shaped Tracy earrings again with her neck laced with gold. Why? Why are we going to get an explanation? Did she fall out with her friends? Is it because she's no longer seeing Carl that she just decided to fuck my college friends as well and fuck this whole movement and fuck the dreadlocks and fuck the fucking... A uh, bell-bottom she was wearing? Like, what exactly are we doing here? 
Victor Hinton cruised up behind her in his blue Mercedes Benz. He stopped alongside her, rolled down his passenger side window and leaned over the seat. Hey, pretty, you want a ride? He looked handsome, almost coal black with moon white teeth. I don't, I don't think I should be carrying the weight of y'all's anger for this. Like, if y'all are mad, y'all gonna be mad by yourself. I'm just used to it now. I'm, I've been beaten into this. Um, like, this is just too much for me. I'm just gonna draw into myself. Tracy wasn't sure if she wanted to oblige. After Rahima's news about Mercedes going into a rehabilitation center, the awareness of Victor dealt in drugs made him no longer acceptable to her. Morally, Victor was no better than Cash. Really? You knew he dealt drugs. You knew that. Why are we so... What? Okay. I don't think so, she told him. Victor sped up the street and double parked. He then popped on his hazard lights, jumped out of his car, and walked over to the sidewalk to wait for her. Tracy was apprehensive as she slowly approached him. Oh my God, I don't have time for this, she thought to herself. She had to be at work in less than an hour. Victor, in a sky blue and white terry cloth sweatsuit with white BK shoes and no socks, danced to the music that rocked from his car as he waited for Tracy to get closer to him. His sweatsuit jacket was zipped down to his stomach, and his gold V dangled from his chain and glimmered against his black chest. He just all ugh, he just ugh, just sweating up a terry cloth outfit with no shirt. Oh my god. Like, how the fuck do you wear a sweatsuit with no fucking shirt? Dude, your armpits. All oh, these kids. He then stepped in front of Tracy and grabbed her hands ever so gently. I just... I just wanted to hold you again. But I guess you're over me now, he said to her with a smile. He knew that she wasn't. Tracy stood there with him, at a loss for words. It was motionless. Am I over him? She asked herself, feeling his touch for the first time in nearly three years. I can't even give you a ride to where you're going, he asked her. Where are you going this early anyway? You got a job or something? Tracy was still trying to gather her thoughts. Am I over him? She continued to ask herself. I got to get to work, she finally told him. I have to be to work in like 45 minutes and I need to get to Broad and Olin to take the subway. She still had not released herself from his hold on her. Victor pulled her to his car and said, come on then. Tracy didn't want to get in, but she found no desire to pull away from him. She had never been inside of a Mercedes Benz, and before she knew it, Victor had shut the door on her and had run around to the driver's side. Tracy found herself quickly relaxed as she leaned back into the blue leather interior, admiring the Mercedes Benz dashboard and the car phone. And the sweet strawberry incense that dangled from his mirror was pleasing to her senses. Strawberry incense? Nigga, you mean the tree? Is is that what we're talking about? The, the tree? I got one right here. The little tree. Black ice? It's a little tree. Like, are you literally saying that he hung incense from his car? Did they used to do that in the 80s? Like, just dangle a stick of incense in their car? That's, that's interesting. Honestly, I used to have this incense... That, um, I don't even remember what, what it was called. It was blue. You would go to the flea market and they'd be selling just bags of incense. And I know that 
you were supposed to open that up and just let it take over your car, but that's a problem. It will literally take over your car. And that reminds me, Ariana Grande's fucking perfume is gross. Put that shit on wax. Don't even ask questions. Don't even smell it either. Just fucking know within yourself. That shit is fucking horrid. Damn, this car is decent, she couldn't help but thinking. Victor glanced over and smiled at how sexy and tempting Tracy continued to look to him. He had a confession to make to her. You know what? I don't know what it is, but every time I see you, I keep getting these urges to say something to you. And it's like, I can't help it. I mean, to be straight up about it, I've been with a whole lot of good-looking girls, but none of them held my interest like you do. Tracy cracked a huge smile. Because you like me, she suggested to him. Victor chuckled to himself and asked, Why would you think I like you out of all the girls that I had? Tracy thought as quickly as she could and responded, Because I didn't sweat you like they did. Yes, you did. Victor burst out laughing. Come on now, what's you trying to say? You trying to say I never had you waiting for me at the playground and whatnot? Tracy grinned embarrassingly. That's when I was younger. So what you saying? I couldn't do that to you now? Nigga, what? Nigga, why are you still around this dude? Hell no, Tracy snapped at him. But you still like me though. Tracy paused. Have you ever loved a girl before? She decided to ask him. Victor thought about it. Love? You mean like, I love you, love? Tracy laughed. The idea sounded alien to Victor. Yeah, have you ever loved a girl? Damn, that's a good question. I mean, I remember girls that I liked a lot, and I still talk to them and all, but I ain't never said that I loved them or no shit like that. Why I gotta be shit? Well, I don't mean shit like in unimportant. I mean shit like in complication. You know what I mean? Tracy sucked her teeth and stared at him. Do you love me? She asked. I can really move. Do you love me? I'm in the groove. Do you love me? That is yet another song that if you didn't know who made it, you would think that it was made by a white person. Not because it sounds like a white person singing it. No, no, <laughs> no, not even close. But because I just can't imagine a black person coming up to somebody and being like, hey, I know how to dance now. Will you Do, do you love me? You love me? You love me? Like, that sounds like something a white guy would say. And they show it on so many white shows and white movies now. Like, I don't know. I wonder when that song, I, I'm sure it came out in like the 50s or the 60s. But it's like, that's another song that you just would never associate with black culture. Because I would never say, do you love me now that I can dance? It just would never come up in conversation that my dancing talent, my dancing acumen was a reason why you love me or not. She was surprised that she had asked him, but once it was done, she felt good about it. She was finally beginning to assert herself with Victor. Victor looked straight into her hazels with this piercing blacks. Do you think that I love you? Sometimes, yeah. Why? Because, I mean, you've been looking out for me and stuff like I'm your little sister or something. Victor shrugged his shoulders. I've done that with lots of girls. Have you done it with them? He shook his head. Nah, not really. But you were big for your age, so I had to have you. Red flag on the play, ladies and gentlemen. Tracy cracked up as they approached Broad Street a little too quickly for her. You sound like a pervert, she told him. Come on now, I ain't that much older than you. How am I sound like a pervert? 
Tracy grinned at her ill reference of him. I'll just plan with you. Don't take it personal. You should take it personal, nigga. You a pervert. Well, ain't this your stop? He asked, pulling up right beside the subway entrance. Tracy was enjoying her conversation with him too much to leave. Fuck it. You only live once, she told herself. You want to ride me downtown? She asked him. Victor smiled and shook his head. Nah, I got something to do. Tracy didn't remember her hesitancy to ride in the car in the first place. He was a drug dealer. I want to talk to you about that when we get a chance, she told him. Victor ignored her. He knew what she was getting at. Several other girls had asked him how he felt about dealing drugs with his people. And Victor gave the same response as all the other dealers. No one's forcing him to take it. Come on now, I'm running late, he told her. Not until you tell me that you love me, she decided playfully. I'll talk to him about that drug selling stuff at another time, she promised herself, realizing that he had brushed her off about it. Well, you're going to be late for work then, he warned. Tracy climbed out of his car and said, you're going to tell me that you love me one of these days. Victor had another laugh. What you think, you training me now or something? Tracy smiled at him as she walked towards the subway. I think you want to be my man. Oh, yeah? Well, why would I want to be your man after I already done had you? He asked with a smile. Because I'm fly, and you know that, she responded with confidence. I'm finally on equal footing with him, she told herself excitedly. Victor rolled up his window and drove off, still grinning. That girl's getting too smart for her own good, he told himself. I like that. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, this is going to be one of those type of musical episodes. My bad. I like that. Tracy's new job proved to be an effortless hype of self-esteem. Young black men from all over Philadelphia came to the centrally located store and bought more than they expected. They all wanted to keep Fly Honey Brown in sight, pressing her for dates and her phone number while trying to give her theirs. Tracy turned all of her offers down. Even her Italian boss, Joseph Bamati, made moves on her whenever he could get close enough to her without the other girls noticing, and that only irritated her. Tracy feared losing her job in an argument about it, but she refused to be harassed. Tracy called Pam into the dressing room in the back so little Joey couldn't hear her comments about him. Pam quizzed, What's up, girl? She was big boned and taller than Tracy. Tracy whispered, Did Joey ever try to hit on you? Pam smirked, Hell nah, my boyfriend would kill his little ass, but he's saying dumb shit to you though? Pam was large enough to have a huge boyfriend. Tracy could see why she had nothing to worry about from little Joey. Look, if that motherfucker's bothering you, then tell him to fuck off. I do. That's why he respects me. Tracy looked at Pam's sides again, thinking, that ain't the only reason why Joey respects you. Well, did he try any other girls, she asked. He probably did, but nobody told me shit about it, and that's probably why them two Italian girls don't like you in here. You think so? Hell yeah, girl. He was probably playing favorites for them, and you the next trick on his list, Pam said jokingly. No the fuck I ain't, Tracy snapped. Pam said, well, look, I'll talk to you on the phone about it because we losing commission. Damn, y'all worked on commission in a clothing store? Shit, that's peer pressure I don't need. Hey, 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 you know what look good on you? This. Nigga, that's uh, small. I am a triple XL, double XL, gangster size. Oh, well, you know, you know what else look good on you? Sequins. Nigga, are you working on commission? No. Hey, Maria, come here for a second, Tracy called. Maria had an outright attitude. Disgust was written all over her olive-colored face. 
What? She answered skeptically. Tracy asked, why don't you like me? Maria said, because you can't dance. Who said I don't like you? I mean, by the way you act towards me, it's obvious. It's, 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 it's not that I don't like you. It's just you spend too much time bullshitting around and not no time working. Well, Joey ain't complaining, Tracy said purposefully. She wanted to see if that was a problem. Tracy hit pay dirt. Maria snapped, I mean, are you fucking Joey or something? No, are you fucking him? Maria rolled her eyes and said, I don't think that's any of your business. Tracy felt like smacking the color out of her, but that wouldn't look good for her image since it would be painted that they were fighting over her boss. Joey interjected, yelling from the front counter, Hey, what the hell are you two doing? Come on, get a move on. We got customers in here ready to spend hundreds of dollars. Look, this guy here wants to buy a sweatsuit. I mean, are you working or not? Rahima, let me tell you, girlfriend. I was so ready to kick this Italian bitch's teeth in today, Tracy told her neighbor. Rahima was enjoying the spring night air as Tracy walked up. Why, she asked, smiling. Tracy always had a story to tell. Tracy shook her earring-wearing head. What? Yo, earring-wearing head. Get the hell out of here with your earring-wearing self. This bitch think I'm fucking my Italian boss named Joey, and she be having attitudes with me, and oh my God, I felt like kicking that bitch's ass today. But then everyone might think I'm fighting over him. And I don't like this other Italian bitch in that store either, but I wanted to kill that Maria bitch. Tracy was right in front of her house, cussing up a storm. Rahima sat there chuckling. Tracy finally calmed down and took a seat on Rahima's steps. Damn, I hate petty bitches, she claimed. So what's the news, ABC Channel 6? Rahima paused. She didn't have any good news for Tracy. She said solemnly, Victor got locked up today. Tracy responded hoarsely, what? They said that he resisted arrest, and they had a warrant for attempted assault and battery against him up in Cheltenham. Jantel told me about it. Tracy trembled and choked up. I don't... Why... Dang! Rahima moved closer, feeling almost as bad as Tracy did. She squeezed Tracy's hand, trying to comfort her. After all this shit, Tracy muttered sorrowfully. Why they have to get him now? Those motherfuckers just had to wait until now, didn't they? She bit her lower lip, trying to hold back the tears. They started falling rapidly down her face. Tracy snatched her hand away from Rahima and stood up. The Cheltenham police are racist anyway. Fuck the cops, she exclaimed. She began pacing down her block towards Wayne Avenue. Where are you going? Rahima asked her fearfully. She was afraid that Tracy might try something stupid in her rage. No fucking where, Tracy fumed. Rahima followed her as she pouted. I don't believe this. And the police are never around a lock of criminals when you need them to. They know just how to take the niggas away. That's all punk ass cops. Rahima realized that Victor was in the wrong, and although he had been Tracy's first love, Rahima suspected that her neighbor-slash-girlfriend knew it too. It was just the wrong time for Tracy to admit it. That next Sunday morning, Tracy had promised her college friends that she would go with them to an African cultural festival in Fairmont Park. She tried to back out, but Lisa and Kawana wouldn't let her. Lisa had room in her car to take Rahima, since Joanne was back in New York. You gotta get out and shake this thing off, girl. And you should have never stopped hanging out with us in the first place, Lisa was saying to Tracy. I mean, just because you and Carl couldn't work things out doesn't mean you gotta cut us off. Kiwana said, I know, girl just up and disappeared on us. Lisa and Kiwana both wore African kente outfits. Rahima and Tracy wore matching Nike sweatsuits, looking like twins. 
So I guess you know what your name means, right? Kiwana asked Raima. Uh-uh, Rahima responded shyly, especially around Kiwana. Kiwana looked so healthy. Her skin was clear and as smooth as a baby's. It's a Muslim name, meaning kind-hearted and good, she told Rahima. Rahima nodded, embarrassed by her acne-prone skin, wishing she could have Kiwana's. I'm going to get you some vitamins and some aloe vera products to heal your blemishes. You have to stop eating oil-producing foods, too. Rahim was all ears and no complaints, with advice coming from someone as beautiful as Kiwana. Lisa interjected, Yeah, remember? Joanne had acne real bad when we first got to school. Yep, and we got her on a vegetarian diet and eating the right foods, and it straightened her right out, Kiwana said. But the key is not to damage your skin. Acne can be taken care of. It's the scars that do the real damage. Yeah, and you just gotta start feeling positive about you as a person, Lisa added. She could tell that Rahim was guarded. Tracy said, I didn't know that Joanne had acne. Yeah, when we were freshmen, Lisa answered, as if it were years ago. They were only sophomores. Kiwana asked Rahima, what's your sister's name? Mercedes. God, why'd your parents name her that? Rahima smiled, because my father wanted one. They all roared with laughter inside of the small car. Kiwana shook her head. That's a shame. Lisa asked, so who named you? Rahima answered, my mom did. She said that she knew this Muslim girl in high school, and she told me that she always liked her name. She was beginning to open up to them. Oh, Lisa said. So your mom and her are still good friends? No, they didn't hang out or anything. My mom just liked your name, and she said that she moved to Washington years ago. Washington, D.C.? Kiwana asked. Yeah, Rahima answered. Really? We're just doing all of this, huh? You really had a number count, a word count. They pulled up to Fairmount Park and found a parking spot. Black men wearing black suits and bow ties were yelling and waving newspapers. Final call! Get your final call! Final call! Get your final call! They were sharply dressed, clean-looking and masculine. Tracy heard her college girlfriends talk about the Nation of Islam before, but she had never seen any up close. They looked strong and upright. How are you sisters doing today? One asked. We're doing fine, Lisa answered for all of them. All right, now, y'all have a good time, he said. He continued waving his papers as they passed. Final call. Get your final call. Tracy said, they look like they can kick some ass. Yeah, but I'll take an Afrocentric man myself, Lisa retorted. Here you go with that again, Kiwana responded to her. We got to stop separating ourselves like that. I'll take any black man who has his head screwed on straight and is willing to go to battle culturally, religiously, economically, academically, and spiritually. I'll take a Muslim brother any day. Lisa contested, yeah, you taught that stuff, Kiwana, but all the guys at school say that you think you're all that, with your nose all up in the air. Well, if any of them start knowing how to act on our campus, then just maybe they'll find out I'm trying to become a queen first by getting to know who I am and my strongest aspects. And then I'll go look for my king, who knows who he is and what his strongest aspects are. And that may take years, Kiwana announced. Tracy and Rahima were thinking that Kiwana was already a queen. Tracy figured that she had found her king, but he was behind bars, awaiting trial. Tracy had never seen so many bright and cheerful colors in her life. African descendants definitely had a way of using attractive colors. Bright oranges, blues, purples, yellows, greens, and earth browns were everywhere as they sold their handmade kente outfits, clothes, hats, and shirts, along with carved art, paintings, and ethnic foods. The girls were having a good time, and Fairmount Park was packed, vibrating with the sounds of celebration and the drum. 
The sun was out with a vengeance that afternoon, heating things up. The African Cultural Festival lasted until 7 o'clock. They didn't plan to go see the Spike Lee joint school days, but first, Kiwana wanted Tracy and Rahim to listen to a lecture given by African, Caribbean, and African-American poets. An older black man with graying dreadlocks held the stage. He wore a long, earth-toned cloth from his neck to his ankles. He looked to be 60 or more and had the strong and steady eyes of wisdom, as if he could see through walls, and he spoke with a Caribbean accent. Our women in America, on the islands and on the mainlands of Africa, must again be the teachers of our children. We cannot raise any proper nation without our sisters knowing exactly who they are and what they should be doing. They must know how to feed themselves properly to be able to give proper nurturing to our future generations. Oh, it's their job, huh? Our women of old have built our Nandi, raising Shaka, our Candace, fighting the white barbarians in Ethiopia, our Nefertiti, Hapsetsu, Cleopatra, Harriet Tubman here on the mainlands, Sister Rita Marley in the islands, and our mother goddess, Ocean and Isis. Our women must know their past to be able to plan for our future. Any nation with mothers who do not know their past to teach their children cannot possibly rise. So I say to the women on these days that you must know your destiny. You must know your divinity. And you must know that through you, all nations live and all nations die. Well, you got one more year, Tracy, and then you're on your own, Patty said, getting Jason ready for his last week of first grade. It was also Tracy's last week as a high school junior. Oh, I see you went back to that old natural look again, Patty added with a chuckle. Tracy smiled and looked into her mirror. Her hair was twisted up again. She had stopped working at jeans and shirts after the first two months. She was turning down a lot of money, but she was tired of being exploited for her looks. For her last day of school, she was wearing a collage t-shirt, sunglasses, blue jean shorts, and no socks with her tan dockside shoes. What's that? Patty asked, noticing the small wood carving of a naked black woman hanging from her daughter's neck on a black leather string. Tracy eyed the black naked woman, bouncing against her chest and held it in her hand. It's a fertility symbol, Mom, she smiled, feeling bashful. Kiwana had given it to her a couple days ago. Rahima got one, too. Well, what's with all this African stuff all of a sudden? Patty asked. She was curious, noticing the books that Tracy was reading. Oh, no, I'm getting it from Kiwana. Tracy going to Africa, Mom? Jason asked. Oh, no. Are you going to Africa, Tracy? Patty said sarcastically. Why? Why are you sarcastic about this? Like... Tracy grinned. One day. They then headed downstairs to the kitchen. And what's with this health nut stuff you've been getting into? Is that from Kiwana too? Tracy laughed. Mom, I don't believe you. Patty didn't know much about things outside of Philadelphia, but she wasn't stupid. I'm sorry, Mom. I love you, Tracy said, realizing her careless thoughts. Saying, Mom, I don't believe you is a careless thought. Patty looked at her as if she was crazy. I love you too, honey, but you starting to act a little loony on me now. I'm going to have to take you to a mental health clinic soon, she joked. Tracy asked her mother while pouring some orange juice, did they teach you much about African health methods and whatnot when you were in that nutrition program, Mom? No, Patty said curiously. Tracy may have been learning some things that she didn't know. Well, go ahead, Miss Africa. Teach me something, she responded. Patty smiled and sat down, and she was serious. Don't you have to be at work soon, Mom? Tracy asked, backing down from her mother's challenge. She was embarrassed. Patty joked, oh, no, Miss Africa, ma'am. I ain't got to be to working for the master till this here morning.
Tracy giggled. Then she got serious. Well, I was reading this book that Kiwana gave me, and it said the women only bleed with periods because of their appetites. Oh, my God. This nigga's going on some hotep shit. What was that nigga's name? What was that nigga's name? The little one. The one that was talking about y'all have periods because you eat the wrong fucking foods and shit. Oh, my God. I never even noticed this nigga went full ass kente cloth hotep. Oh, fuck. Well, I was reading this book that Kiwana gave me, and it said the women only bleed with periods because of their appetites, and that the chauvinistic environment in America is stopping women from developing their full feminine capabilities. And Kiwana said that white women aren't really developing power with their feminist movement. They're just getting to be as aggressive and destructive as men are, like Margaret Thatcher in Britain. Go on, girl, teach me, Patty said excitedly. She was proud that Tracy was using her mind and exploring things. Tracy asked, you ever notice that African women look a lot fuller than us, mom? Yeah, I've always been saying that. And they don't be fat either, just healthy bodied. But I got a nice shape though, Patty said, standing up to check herself out. Yeah, well that's because we lack proper nutrients and vitamins in urban areas with all this fast food stuff and canned foods. You notice how women down south and out in the country are shaped more like African women? That's because their food supply is healthier. Go ahead, girl, Patty cheered her on. Well, I've been feeding you the right foods in here, and I do know the proper food group, she responded. But, Mom, I don't know if them white doctors are teaching us all the right stuff, because they still experiment with different foods and all. Africans mastered what and what not to eat thousands of years ago. But see, black people think that white people know everything and that we don't. But we've had vegetarian and fruit diets before the white man even came out of his caves. And they didn't have any fertile land to learn from until the turn of the century when they started attacking everybody. Go ahead, girl. That's my daughter, Patty shouted. (laughs) Jason ran into the kitchen to find out what was going on. What's she doing, Mom? He asked. Dag, Mom, Tracy responded, surprised by her mother's excitement. I mean, I got a lot more to learn, but I'm getting there, she proudly added. So, Patty... Who's been sarcastic this whole entire time is all in for some hotep shit. Go ahead, girl. Well, we all have to get a move on, Patty said, squeezing Jason's head as she walked towards the door. Jason turned that TV off. Tracy and Jason followed their mother out. Tracy said out the door, yeah, I'm going to have to buy Jason some books to read so he don't get wrapped up in the little white boy fantasies. Although he didn't understand what his sister was talking about yet, Jason nodded and said, Okay. I'm so proud of you, Patty announced, driving them to school. My little baby's going to be one of them sisters to put the white man in his place. She's going to be like Angela Davis and Asada Shakur. Yep, my daughter going to be another sojourner truth. Patty did know something, but Kiwana called Tracy Kamara, one who teaches from experience. Where the fuck is this coming from? Any of it. Throughout the summer, Tracy and Rahima enjoyed each other's company. It was the most inactive summer Tracy had had in her life. Mr. Keith was finally giving himself and his family room to breathe, and Rahima seemed a lot more cheerful. Both girls struggled to hold on to the vegetarian diet Kiwana had strongly suggested, and Rahima's acne slacked off with his use. The girls laughed about all the arguments they had had and all the boys that had been on their block, trying to talk to either of them. Their futures looked bright. They argued about which colleges they should go to and the types of black men who would chase after them. Probably some perverted professors, Tracy joked. 
but finding the perfect man was a mystery to them both. Do you still think about Victor? Rahima asked Tracy while they enjoyed the moonlight and the cool nighttime breeze. They weren't serious about boys anymore, unless anyone would ask Tracy about Victor. Yeah, she admitted, hesitantly. I've never met anyone like him. Remember Mercedes talked to Kevin? Tracy asked, viewing the house across the street from them where Kevin used to live. Rahima nodded. Yeah, that was her first boyfriend. Tracy paused. You know, sometimes I wish I could have one of them voodoo dolls and just make guys act right. Rahima laughed. Me too. But then again, girls don't really like guys they can control. Tracy gave her a high five. Ain't that the truth? Rahima then got quiet. Too quiet for Tracy. Tracy quizzed her. What are you thinking about? Rahima rubbed her long ponytail. I was just wondering how your little brother's going to treat girls. Oh, girl, he ain't thinking about nothing but that damn television. But I've been trying to get him to read books, though. Why do you think you like Victor so much, Rahima wanted to know. Well, to begin with, you know that he was my first, just like Kevin was probably Mercedes first. And that shit just does something to you if you like the boy at all. You'll find out soon enough, Tracy assured her with a grin. But outside of that, I see Victor as a black butterfly. And you watch him fly and land, and you sit and admire him for a while, knowing that he's going to fly back away before you can grab him. And now his ass is in jail, just when I was getting close to him again with my net. Rahima smiled. What? Tracy said, veeringly. I think that poetry you've been reading is rubbing off on you. Tracy thought silently and thought. I wrote a poem about Victor, she revealed. Yeah? Well, let's hear it, Rahima piped. How you know I know it by heart, Ra-Ra? Because you know Victor by heart. Ooh. Tracy grinned, admittedly. Okay, she said. It's called King Victorious. She closed her hazels as Rahima looked into her smooth, honey-brown face. The moonlight was shining on them both. Tracy started with a mellow voice. I once knew a black man who stole my heart. And then he gave it back to me when I begged for him to keep it. I said, thieves don't give back the goods. But he said, this thief can take all the goods in the world with his black skin and his kingly ways. And I said, but those goods of mine are more precious than the furthest north and the furthest south. And if you run from me east to west, you'll only run in circles of misery. And he said, yes, but this king can jump the moon and the Jupiter and as far away as Pluto searching for more conquests. And what could I do but to say that I will follow him to the edge of the universe? And then he took me by my hand and ran me through the darkest pits of hell. And I yelled, oh, my black king, I will still follow you, no matter how much you torture me. Well, then, he said, you were a fool, a limited wisdom and no self-respect. And I corrected him, saying, no, I am love eternal, giving you life. So who are you to take mine away just because I love you so? And he said, you should have known then that I'll deceive you because I'm a warrior who is not to be seduced. And I said, yes, but even black warriors need a place to rest and feel secure in the warmth that only I can give you. I need no rest, he said, and I can fight on until I'm no more. And then I said, and with my tears, I can bring you back again. And then he fell to his knees and cried, then I have been the arrogant fool while you have been the wise one all along. 
And I said back to him, stand up, my king of black skin, black as your thoughts before I gave them life, for you shall discard me again with your blind arrogance, and I shall chase you again to the edge of our universe, bringing you to your knees, reminding you that through me you became alive with my eternal love. So love me as you would love your mother, who was me, before I separated myself to make more black kings, stretched to the furthest corners of my earth. And he nestled up beside me like my son. And I loved him like my husband. Tracy sat with her eyes closed, letting the moon feed her. Rahima exclaimed, that was so decent. When'd you write that? She asked as soon as Tracy had opened her eyes again. I wrote it while sitting out here in the dark one night. Girl, you're going to be rich and famous one day if you keep writing stuff like that. Tracy smiled and revealed her source. That's from reading that Egyptian stuff, girl. Men have been forcing the world to follow their ways of aggression for a long time. So now we have to remind them that we gave them life. But first, we have to know that we are the substance of dark that the Bible talks about. And the world was begun like a baby in our wombs. Ho, tep, mo, tep, what you gonna do today? Rahima simply stared at her for a moment. Dag, Tracy, you're getting deeper than Kiwana. I, I, I can't even understand you anymore. Tracy smiled and said, yeah, but I still love Victor, though. I just can't help it. It was a week away from Tracy's 17th birthday on a Saturday. Dave, I think that you and Tracy just need to go away somewhere and be together for her birthday. I won't mind because you haven't had a real father-daughter chat with Tracy in a while, and she's been learning a lot lately, Patty said to her husband as she climbed into bed. Dave nodded. He was in bed already. Sounds good to me. We can go out to eat at whatever restaurant she wants to go to. Yeah, my baby been learning about Africa, Patty alluded. Oh, really? How much does she know? Patty smiled. I'll let you decide for yourself. Oh, yeah? Well, hell, I'm looking forward to this. So, you gonna spend the entire day with her? Dave frowned. Here she go nagging again, he thought. Patty, I said that I would, okay? Yes, I will. Patty smiled and cuddled up with him, glad to have him back. Dave grinned himself, thinking, Women, you can't live with them, and here I am anyway. The fuck? When Saturday morning came around, Jason was the first to shout, Happy birthday, Tracy! He hit her on her arm, trying to count to 17. His little punches were hard, but Tracy was too pleased to complain. Patty didn't bother to buy her daughter any clothes for her 17th. She gave Tracy $1,500 towards her college tuition next fall instead. It was part of the money that she had been saving up to move out if David refused to come back. Patty knew that her first baby was going to college. Tracy was still trying to decide if she wanted to go to Howard University, where all the handsome men were, or to Spelman, an all-girls school where she could study without distractions. Lisa told her that Morehouse, an all-boys school, was right around the corner. In case you get horny one night, she joked. Tracy wasn't anticipating any of that. She wanted to learn more about being a black woman first. So your mother told me that you've been studying up on Africa. Dave sat with his daughter at dinner later that birthday night at Friday's restaurant in Philadelphia City Line Avenue. They had been all over the city, and Tracy was pleased to have his company at a dinner for two. Yeah, a little bit, she answered modestly. Dave started munching down the salad appetizer as if he were hungry. He wore an off-white sports jacket and a rayon shirt with navy blue pants and black leather shoes, looking jazzy. He smelled good, too. Tracy was damn proud that he was her father. 
but not by the way he was eating a salad. Dag, Dad, that food ain't going nowhere, she hinted with a smile. Dave looked up from his plate, watching the twinkling, honey-colored eyes she had inherited from him. Tracy grinned, wearing a purple skirt and blouse outfit she had bought with the money she had earned from working at jeans and shirts. Dave said, you know, you're starting to look like my mother a little bit with your hair like that. What a coincidence, Tracy thought. But she didn't want to talk about Africa, fertility, and heritage with him. Tracy wanted to ask her father straight up about men. Dad, why do y'all act the way y'all do? Dave was too cool to be startled by it. Because most of us don't know any better. My mother spoiled the hell out of me, he responded, wiping the French salad dressing from his lips. Hell, I thought I was women's gift to the world. But see now, some other cats get hurt by a woman and then start acting real shady with them. But I never had to worry about that. Tracy was surprised that her father was so willing to be open-minded with her instead of saying, God did it. He still looked 20-something, although he was 40. So are you saying it's my grandmother's fault? She asked. Well, I can't put all the blame on her. Of course not. I have my little quirks and things. And what really happened between you and mom? Now, see... Your mother had her problems, too. That's why we need some type of support mechanisms with these families. And since you're studying Africa, I guess you know that the African family was extended. And if the black man could afford it, he took on several wives. <sighs> Tracy was surprised her father was talking so much. She was afraid to eat. So you needed more wives? She asked him, attempting to be objective about it. Like most American women... Tracy felt polygamous marriages were totally unacceptable. Well, I guess it ain't no secret that a lot of women were attracted to me. And I used to go to work, looking and smelling all good when I first started working at the hospital that I worked at. And then women used to say, excuse me, but are you married? And then when I said I was, they started making up stuff. Oh, because I got a girlfriend you would make a perfect match with, but oh well. And I'm thinking, who the hell they think they fooling? And then some women were straight up bald about it, telling me to call them if I ever had any problems I might need worked out. Tracy laughed at his candor, imagining older women falling all over him like the girls did with Victor. I liked this guy that reminds me of you, Dad. So what's up with him? Is he your boyfriend? Dave asked, trying to sound young and hip. Tracy smiled. You a trip, Dad. Yeah, but you still ain't giving me an answer yet, he pressed her. Well, he's like you. Hard to keep. Dave didn't want to address that statement. It sounded convicting. He moved right along. So is this cat in college or what? He asked, dodging Tracy's intentions. She wanted him to explain his own butterfly ways so maybe she could understand him and Victor. No, she said annoyingly, ready to talk about him. Dave was fast at being evasive. He's not in school, huh? So is he headed for jail or is he already in there? He joked. Tracy was shocked. She didn't want her father to know that he actually was right. She wasn't sure how he would react if she told him the truth, that she was in love with a drug dealer who took her virginity when she was only 13. What? Are you thinking that just because a guy's not in college that he gotta be into something no good? She retorted defensively. Dave smiled, confused. I'm just joking with you, girl. I want the best man for you. I want a man who can at least give you what I gave you and your mother. But will he leave me and run away? There was a sharp silence across the table. Tracy had struck her father's serious bone. Dave looked into his daughter's face with a seriousness that she had never witnessed from him before. The black man in America needs a system where he has to stand up and correct himself. Now that ain't gonna happen on its own. Sometimes you gotta go through hell before you realize it.
But there's a lot of good brothers out there who got things working the right way. Now, of course, I'm far from perfect, but I did take care of business while I was away. I had a lot of soul searching, and I didn't have no damn support. My father died when I was eight. My mother was an only child, and I was an only child, so where was my support? Your mother was wearing me out before I think I was ready to be married. I mean, your mother loved this marriage thing, but I felt trapped, like life itself was kicking my ass. And the whole relationship with your aunts got on my fucking nerves. Now, I have to admit that I got greedy and stayed away longer than what I had planned to. And I'm sorry for that, baby. That was real selfish of me. But I just needed some space and some time to think alone. Tracy smiled, loving her father more because he was admitting that he was human, subject to mistakes and vulnerable. We need to have this talk a long time ago, Dad, she told him. Dave looked into her glassy hazels and realized she had matured a great deal. I love you, your mother, and your brother to death, but it was hard as hell to do things all on my own. I had too much weight on my shoulders. Something had to give. So whatever you do, you make sure that your man has some type of outside support. Because no matter how strong us black men think we are, there's going to come a time when we need somebody to lean on. And I ain't have nobody. When Tracy got home that night, at almost 1 o'clock in the morning, she was exhausted. She had to straight to bed after kissing her father goodnight. There was a letter on her dress with no name or return address. It had a seven-digit ID number in the upper left-hand corner. Oh my God, Tracy yelped excitedly, wondering who it was. The intrigue was enough to make her want to read it out under the moonlight. She sprinted outside to her patio energetically and breathed in deep as she opened it. Dear Tracy, I know I'm surprising you by writing like this, but I think we understand each other. Here I am, 20 years old and sitting in a cell now for three years and shit. And I don't know what will become of me. But I do know that you have eyes to see what I feel for you. Out of all the girls I had, Tracy, and I stopped counting after a hundred, you were the only one I kept up on. I studied you. And from my conclusions, I know that you're the girl that I would like to marry. Now, I want you to go to college and all. But when you do go, make sure you study the right information. The white man has set us up for all the shit we've been through. And all I was doing was running around dicking every girl I could get, beating up niggas, robbing and stealing, and I even shot at some people. I realized I was trying to outdo my brother. He always overshadowed me with that basketball shit, and I didn't know who I was and what my mission was in life. But you know white people have a lot of pitfalls set up that distract us from searching for the truth. They be having us playing them super nigga roles. But yo, it's some brothers in here that have been putting me down with the Nation of Islam and Minister Louis Farrakhan. And I've been getting educated. We need to be able to tell the truth as it is. And we can't allow our parents or anybody else to stop us. So the brothers have told me I must discipline myself by doing the right thing. And choosing a wife for stability. Shit. The guards are closing shit down. I don't have much time to tell you the more things I want to do. But I want you to marry me when I get out. And be the mother of my children. Me and you can raise a correct family, Tracy. And you're strong enough to understand me. All I want is three children and a wife who's supportive. Yeah, that kind of drive that I need from a woman. Yeah, that certain confidence. And I want you if you want me. But you have to wait for me, love me, and never let another man come between us. I'll be waiting for you. P.S. I hope this letter gets to you in time by your birthday, September 6th. I remembered, even though you probably didn't think I know. And oh yeah, send me a pretty picture of you. A big, naked one. Righteous love. Victor Henson, the slave. Quadir Muhammad, the man.
inmate number 2158796. There was a return prison address under his name. Tracy giggled and laughed, reading it over and over, touched to tears and still not believing it. Her desire had been fulfilled, and Victor was proposing to her in a letter that she would keep forever. She wiped away happy tears as she trembled blissfully. I'll be here for you, baby. I'll be here for you, she mumbled with a smile. A rush of elation overwhelmed her as more tears helplessly flooded her eyes. Tracy wiped them hurriedly, dreaming of Victor, Quadir, black, strong, and righteous, as the moon shone and the wind blew, adding to her birthday joy. Nigga, she's 17. Just because you're in jail does not mean you get to lock down the rest of her future. Just because them niggas in jail who are... Islam and they are Muslim. I ain't saying nothing about the religion, but just because them niggas in jail are telling you that you need to take on a woman immediately, you can't immediately think about the 17-year-old that you used to fuck over. That's selfish. That is literally selfish. For you to put her life on hold for you while you're in jail for three years for selling drugs is also selfish. She's 17. She's going to go to college. Don't give her no notes like, I don't want you talking to no other man. Fuck you. Fuck you epilogue hey dad my first year of college is almost over and i've gotten all a's and b's so can i get a car psych dad unless you really want to buy me one i guess you know mercedes moved back home now yeah he lives next door to her rahima said that she's doing good with her rehabilitation i'm happy for her rahima sent me a letter from cornell university a week ago i was real happy that she got that scholarship to go there she deserves it. She was saying in her letter how we've been through all of our fights and stuff and how we still came out close like sisters. And she is my sister in the communal sense. We helped each other through so much over the years, you know? And as far as that 1200 that she got on the SATs, I mean, all she did was sit in the house and study. Nah, that's my girl. She even got a boyfriend out there that's a sigma and politically conscious, so she says. He's probably a nerd. Nah, let me stop. Anyway, I wrote her back and stuff. I told her to tell me she's still a virgin. She left that part out. Why the fuck are you writing that to your dad? Why are you writing any of this to your dad? Your dad don't give a fuck. Just put, she said hi. She sent a letter from Cornell. She said hi. Lie to the nigga. Me? Well, let's just say I'd never gotten pregnant and I never got no diseases. And no, I didn't do no drugs, neither. But remember that time you said that my boyfriend, well, he was my boyfriend. But you know, that guy I liked back then when I was still in high school? His name is Victor, and you're right. He was in jail. I thought his name was Quadir. But anyway, he was my first love. He's up for parole from Holmesburg Prison in three months. And I've been writing letters back and forth to him for almost two years. I can't lie, Dad. I went up there to see him a couple times. I had to, Dad, because it was people that kept calling me naive and stuff, saying that he was gaming me up and that he couldn't have just changed overnight. But when I saw him, it just made me want to wait for him even more because of how trapped it seemed he was. I mean, you got to know Victor. He was always controlling things, but now he talks about going to trade schools and stuff when he gets out. And he was always smart. Victor's brother went to college. I want to believe him, Dad. And all these girls up here who say they my friends are always talking about how I need to get a life. But I don't see how they doing any better with these confused guys they talk to. It takes time for everyone to become who they gonna be. Like who would have thought that I'd be going to Hampton and majoring in English of all things? Anyway, it's mostly because of Victor that I'm majoring in English now. Because we keep writing to each other and stuff. And dad, he would describe the bars and shit. Oh, excuse me, dad, but I'm a big girl now. So the shit that he be going through in jail and all, 
I used to cry and pray for him to get out soon like a breakout or something. But it's hard being a young black man today or a black man, period. I wouldn't really know, though, because I'm having a hard ass time being a black young woman. Anyway, I love you, Dad. And here's a poem I wrote for you on fatherhood. It's called Stop the Critics. And it's it's because it's always people saying how they think things should be. My daddy wasn't home 24-7, but I do know him. He was a handsome, dark brown face my mother went crazy for. I know my daddy wasn't like Bill on the Cosby show, but he was real flesh with real struggles, and I love him so. Some people often criticize and say my mother and I were robbed, but now I'm happily in college with my daddy's support, so all in all, I say he's done a great job. And some people argue that my logic seems shabby, but since they know so much, I ask them, have you ever been a daddy? My creative writing teacher loved that poem because she said she could relate to how I feel about you. I mean, hey, I only got one dad, right? And you have to make the best out of what you can. But anyway, Victor will probably get out when I'm home for the summer. And you don't have to worry about me getting in any trouble or anything with them because I cooled out a lot. And a lot of guys wanted to talk to me down here. I've gone out a couple times, but nothing serious. I was always thinking about Victor. But hey, if me and him can't work it out, then hell, I'm still living. I mean, people act like I'm going to die waiting for him. I'll survive, and I'll be successful at whatever I do. Nobody can say that I haven't gotten what I wanted, so I'll just keep reaching for the sky. Love, Tracy, with hugs and kisses. Send me some money, Daddy, please. I'm so fucking glad that book is over. Oh, Jesus Christ, that book was aimless. And it really, the ending came out of nowhere where it just went full hotep, like 100% hotep. That was, that was rough. That was rough. I'm going to have to read books that I know I like for a while before I go back into reading what I might not like that people are going to suggest to me. Oh my God. I'm so glad to be done with that book. You just don't fucking understand. That book was long as shit. Like, I don't remember that book being that fucking long. But that book was long as a motherfucker. And it's even longer because it's boring and stupid. It's not stupid. I'm betting there's a ton of young ladies who think it's the best. But I, I don't remember what I liked about the book. I don't. Because reading it now? Mm-mm. Nah. It don't work for me. And the the one that I had had small text and shit when I was reading it as a kid. And I sucked that book up. I don't understand. Maybe I'm getting older and I'm seeing through bullshit. But that book was just a lot. I'm glad I'm done. I ain't never going back. I promise you that. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts. And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Or on the Good Pods app, you can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace.
and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan, and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast.